Welcome to Torah Today Ministries and our continuing series, Parsha Seasonings, where we look into some of the details of the Torah scroll and of the Hebrew language, things that do not come out through our translations. In this episode, we find ourselves in Torah portion Tetzaveh, which begins in Exodus 27:20 and continues through chapter 30 and verse 10. Now, something interesting about this portion this is the only portion of the Torah since Moses is born in the, the first portion of Exodus. It's the only portion in the Torah from Exodus to the end that does not contain Moses' name. Though it kind of does in a hidden way, which we'll see a little later on. But uh, I find it interesting that this portion, which really gets us into more of the details of the temple and especially of the priest's clothing, Moses is not mentioned, but just a heads up, just a little detail there that you might find interesting. Now, this portion, as I said, gets into great detail about the high priest clothing. <clears throat> now, here is a, uh, a rather dated engraving of what the high priest may have looked like. And just a few things I want to point out is here at the top, you see what would be the golden headplate. And it has the words, Kadosh Adonai, holy unto the Lord. And this is to be on Aaron's forehead and all the high priest after him. But moving down onto the shoulders, we find these two shoulder stones. These are Shoham stones. And on each stone was engraved six of the names of the tribes of Israel. Six names on the left shoulder, six names on the right shoulder. And then on his chest is a breast piece or breastplate called the Koshin, and it had 12 different stones, and each stone had one of the names of Israel. And we'll be looking at that in a little detail. So when we refer to the, the golden headplate or the shoulder stones or the breastplate, you'll have a, an image in your mind of what I'm referring to. Now, let's look at Exodus 28 verses 9 and 10. It says, You shall take two shoham stones, and many of the translations translate this as onyx stones, but we honestly don't know what the English names of these stones are. Some of them we do, uh, like the sapphire stone, which is sapphire in Hebrew. We know sapphire is sapphire. But for these others, like the shoham stone, we don't know. But it really doesn't matter if it did, God would somehow communicate to us exactly what kind of stone uh, geologically we would be looking at, or is it mineralogically? <laughs> in either case, um, in Hebrew, these are called shoham stones, and these are for the shoulder stones. And engrave on them the names of the Son of Israel, six of their names on the one stone, and the names of the remaining six on the other stone in the order of their birth. Now that phrase, six of their names on, is three words in Hebrew, and there you can see them. It's shisha mishmotam ol. Shisha means six, mishpotam, uh, mishmotam, uh, you can see the word shim there. Shemot is plural, and all means on, six of their names on. And the rabbis from ancient times have noticed that the initial letters of these three words spell the word 
Shen Mim Ayan, Shema, hear, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Akkad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, the reason I find this interesting is because if we go back to our image of the high priest, these shoulder stones, one on the right, one on the left, contain the names of the children of Israel. And the Koshin, as we mentioned, also contained the names of the, the children, the 12 tribes of Israel. Why is it necessary for the names to appear twice in the high priest's garb? Well, we know that the one on his heart is so that he will bear their names on his heart. Well, what's the purpose for the two shoulder stones? Well, with what we've just learned, that the initial letters of the commandment to put these names on these two stones, their initial letters spell Shema here. Think about it for a moment. These stones are right underneath the high priest's ears. To me, it's a very graphic picture that not only was the high priest to love the tribes of Israel, to bear them on his heart, but he's also to be hearing them all the time. He needed to shema to the needs and the outcries of the children of Israel. And our high priest, Yeshua, we know that he hears our cries, that he bears our names on his heart, but he hears us. We are very close to his ears. And this is borne out in another way as well. Let us go on down, and I have graphically shown the names on the two shoulder stones. Uh, this is not supposed to be what the shoulder stones actually look like. But what I've done is I've taken a rectangle on the right and I've put the first six names, the six names of the first six tribes of Israel. And on the right, we see Reuben, Shimon or Simeon, Levi, Yehuda, Dan and Naphtali. And then on the other stone, we have Gad, Asher, Yisachar, Zebulun, Yosef and Benjamin. Six names on one, six names on another. But what's interesting is if you count up the number of letters on each stone, both stones contain exactly 25 letters. 25 letters make up the six names of the first six tribes. 25 letters make up the six names of the other six tribes. Now, what's interesting about this if we look at the Shema, and here you see it, Shema, there's our word again, Shen Memayan, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, Adonai our God, Adonai is one. How many words are there? There are six. How many letters are there? If you count them, you'll see that there are exactly 25 letters in the Shema. So now the Shema takes on a different shading. Because not only is the Shema a commandment to us to hear, hear, O Israel, Adonai our God, Adonai is one. But also, I think it's given to us there in Deuteronomy because it's something that reflects what the high priest is to do. That the high priest, our high priest, hears us. And so God wants us to hear him. 
And just as the, the names become united on the shoulders of the high priest, they become united on the breastplate that he bears. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one as well. God hears us. And so he commands us, Shema Yisrael, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's the one and only. He's the only one with whom we have to do. So I think the correspondence between the shoulder stones and the Shema is not accidental. I think it's one of those wonders God has hidden in his Torah, that if we have our eyes unveiled, that we can behold and begin to praise him for the beauty and wonder of the incredible things, the treasures that he's hidden in his word. Well, let's return to that first verse. You shall take two shoham stones. Now here is how the word shoham is spelled. Shin, hey, mem. Now he didn't tell him to take two sapphire stones or two diamonds or two amethyst stones or anything else. For some reason, these two stones on the shoulders were to be shoham stones. Why shoham? Well, what's interesting is if we take the mem and move it around to the front of the word, Shoham becomes Moshe. And if we take Moses' name and spell it backwards, it is Hashem, the name. Now Moses is not God, don't get me wrong. But it's through Moshe that Hashem revealed his name to us, yud heh vav -Heh. And though Moses' name is not mentioned in this portion, we find the word Shoham appearing over and over again. And it's almost like Moses' name is hidden and it's uh, secretly revealed through this word Shoham, the kind of stone that was to bear the six names on one, six names on the other, the 12 names of the 12 tribes of Israel before the high priest ears. Now there's something else interesting about this Shoham stone. Now here we have a, a, a rough sketch, an artist's sketch of the koshin, the breastplate that the priest would bear. And whoever this artist was, you can see he got the numbers wrong. He's numbering from left to right, whereas uh, the names would have appeared from right to left. But I think he got that right for the most part. He has Reuben here and Simeon here, and he has Levi here. Uh, they seem to get a little mixed up as you go down, but that doesn't matter. What is interesting is each of these 12 stones was different from all the rest. And, um, and one of them is a Shoham stone. One of them is a Shoham stone. If you were to guess which one, could you figure it out? Well, if you look at chapter 28 in detail, and you'll find that passage quoted in the, the references in the notes, it tells us which stones appear in the first row. And in the first row, you would have, uh, from right to left, you would have em uh, ruby, topaz, and emerald. So Reuben would be um, ruby, Simeon would be topaz, Levi would be emerald. And then you have turquoise, sapphire, diamond, and so on and so forth, provided we're translating the Hebrew names of these stones correctly. But Shoham is the one that's at the very bottom of the middle column. It is the 11th stone. And who was the 11th son? 
Joseph, Yosef. Why do you think Joseph gets the honor of having his name recorded on the Shoham stone, the same stone that is used for the two shoulder pieces? Well, I think there are a couple reasons here. One is, if it wasn't for Joseph, I don't think we'd have the 12 tribes of Israel at all. It's through Joseph that they were sustained during the Great Famine. Through Joseph, they were brought to Egypt. And through Joseph, they were sustained there. And it was his intercession, his mediation, that kept Israel together and saved them. And not just them, but the whole known world at the time uh, that would have died otherwise through this famine. Another thing, too, is that and you've heard me say this many times, more than any other individual in the entire Hebrew Scriptures, none of them portray the life of our Messiah, Yeshua, more closely than the life of Joseph. Joseph gets a special honor. Another question you might have is, why did God choose to arrange the names in this way? with four rows of three names in each row. He could have done it with two rows of six or two columns of six. He could have done it different ways. He could have made it more of a pyramid shape or in a circle. Why this? I don't know, but the rabbis say this. We had three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the three columns represent the three patriarchs. And we have four matriarchs, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah. And so the four rows represent the four matriarchs. And through these men and women, we have the 12 tribes. So we have 12 stones. I think it's a beautiful sentiment, and who knows, it's probably the right answer. It's something to think about. And here you can see I've arranged the names as they would appear on the Koshin, and Joseph is at the middle of the bottom. His is the one that is the Shoham stone. Well, let's move on a bit further. <coughs> In Exodus 28:38, it's referring to the golden headplate that would be on uh, Aaron's forehead and it says it shall be on Aaron's forehead and Aaron shall bear any guilt from the holy things that the people of Israel consecrate as their holy gifts. It shall regularly be on his forehead that they may be accepted before Adonai. Now that phrase his forehead is one word in Hebrew. It's the word mitzcho, mitzcho. The vav at the end makes it third person's masculine singular possessive. Metzach is forehead, Mitzcho makes it his forehead. Now the word forehead is found a bunch of times in the Bible, but this word Mitzcho, his forehead, appears two times, only twice in the entire Bible. This is the one where we're taking this holy individual, the high priest, who's bearing holy unto the Lord on his forehead as he goes before the Lord, and especially as he goes into the uh, temple and when he, uh, the tabernacle comes out to, to minister at the altar, uh, he's bearing the, this holy unto the Lord. You know, this is something that should be always on our foreheads as well. 
No, right here in the frontal lobe of the brain is where we make decisions. And that's where we do so much of our thinking and pondering. And one of the things we should always be reminding ourselves is that we too are Kadosh Adonai. We are holy to the Lord. We are to be a holy people. You know, in, um, in Ephesians, Paul tells us to put on the whole armor of God and we are to put on the helmet of salvation, the helmet of Yeshua. And that helmet identifies which team we're on. It also is a protection for our head, for our brain. And one of the great protections we have for our minds is to remember that we are in Yeshua. We're saved by Him. We're redeemed by Him. And we are to be thinking His thoughts. We're to be putting Him on and, and bearing His name. And if we do that, we will be Kadosh Adonai, holy unto the Lord. But I'm digressing. You're probably wondering, well, get on with it. Where's the other place where this word is found in the scriptures? Well, can you think of a great Bible uh, story from the time you were a child, you, you heard this, that involved someone's forehead? Well, if you're thinking of Goliath, you're exactly right. In 1 Samuel 17, 49, and David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on Mitzcho, on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. I find it fascinating that this one word, it's found twice, is found with one of the most holy individuals, that's the high priest, and one of the most unholy individuals, an enemy of Israel, and that is Goliath. You can make of that what you will. I find it fascinating. Well, let's finish with this. At the end of our Torah portion, <clears throat> it describes the, um, the golden incense altar that was in the holy place in the tabernacle. It describes the incense that was to be placed on it, and that word for incense is the word uh, ketoret, ketor, ketoret. Here's, here's the passage, Exodus 30, verse 7. And Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it. He shall burn it every morning when he trims the lamps. And when Aaron trims the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense. There shall be perpetual incense before Adonai throughout your generations. You shall not offer any strange incense on this altar or a burnt offering or a meal offering, and you shall not pour out a libation on it. As you can see, the word incense occurs four times. And as I said, the word for incense is katorit. You may think, well, this sounds similar to the name of Abraham's second wife, which was Keturah, and you're correct. Uh, after Sarah died, Abraham remarried and had several children through his new wife, Keturah, uh, and uh, her name does mean incense. And since incense is mentioned four times in this passage, and the word Ketoret has four letters, Kof, Tet, Resh, Tav, there you go, they use these four letters as an acronym for the four elements of prayer. The kof, they say, stands for kadusha, which means kadosh, holiness. 
the tet for tahora, which means purity. Resh for rachamim, which means mercy or pity. And then the tav for tikva, and tikva means hope. So this is a good checklist when you pray. Are you praying in holiness? Are you praying only to God, putting all of your, your tikva only in him? Are you setting yourself apart? You know, we're told that the, the, the prayers, the sincere uh, prayers of a righteous man avail much. A righteous man needs to be a holy man, a man or woman set apart to God, who's devoted to God. And are you praying from a position of holiness? Are you praying from a position of purity? In Psalm 24, Dave asked the question about who can ascend the mountain of the Lord and stand in his holy place. He says, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. Clean hands means that you have set your hands apart. Holy hands, they're clean. You're setting apart for God's work and a pure heart. But also you praying in mercy and pity, realizing you're not perfect. You can't go before the Lord with arrogance. You need his mercy, his grace, his pity. And are you praying for others from a position of real mercy? How do you pray for your enemies? That God would constrain all blessing to them? Are you praying that God would bless those who persecute you, who, who speak all manner of evil against you falsely for his sake? Are you praying for God's blessing for your enemies? You're to love them. Are you praying for their best? And then, of course, we must pray in faith and hope. Hope is not, this word tikva doesn't mean that you, you've got your fingers crossed. Well, I hope God hears. I hope he does something. Real tikva is faith and knowing that he will, and then being willing to wait until it appears. These are, um, I think, a valuable insight into what prayer should be and what our checklist should be for ourselves as we approach God in prayer. And if we do, then our prayers will rise like uh, keteret as, as incense. Incense is always a picture of prayer in the scriptures. From, um, from the beginning of the word all the way through Revelation. Because in Revelation it describes the incense that you could be smelled in heaven. And it says there, it's the prayers of the Holy Ones. So, well, I hope this, this uh, episode of Parsha Seasonings has been a blessing to you. And maybe it stirs up some questions, but if it makes you study more, then mission accomplished. Dig into his word, and especially these passages about the tabernacle. They are so rich with symbolism and meaning that it is something that it will carry over into your study of all the rest of God's word. So, until next time, I wish you shalom and may God bless. Thank you for joining us for today's teaching. If the work of Torah Today Ministries has touched your life, please consider making a donation or sponsoring an upcoming video. As a video sponsor, you'll have an exclusive opportunity to memorialize a family member, celebrate a special event, or simply support the ongoing creation of similar content. 
Your tax-deductible contribution helps ensure that our teachings continue to reach all who are longing for truth. Click the link or visit our website to learn more. That's a good suit for that.